Blessed be the name indeed. Welcome to Stony Creek United Methodist Church. This is Pastor Michael. If you are joining us in our parking lot, if you could give me a couple car honks to let me know you hear me. Awesome. Thank you guys very much. Um, a couple of things before we get to our worship service. Just want to uh, remind everyone uh, in your bulletin, there's the information about the Bible study uh, that's coming up in Advent. Uh, so uh, if you're interested in that, please check that out. Um, I think it'll be a really uh, a good Bible study. Um, and I'm starting to look ahead for things for the coming year as well. Um, trying to think if we have any other announcements. Anybody? Anything? Yeah. All right. I don't think we have any others. So uh, this morning we are going to start out our worship service uh, by remembering our saints, uh, those who have uh, gone on to perfection from this earth. Uh, many, many people have passed away this year as that's how life works. Um, but with this pandemic, um, at least feels like a lot more maybe than normal. Um, but we've got a few that we'd like to highlight from our congregation or connected to our congregation. So I ask that you please uh, join me in an attitude of prayer as we read these names um, and then close with a prayer. Julia Horlings. Mark Newman. Steve Benedict. Peggy Newman. Howard Russell Schulke. Dave Makarowicz. Tori Adamansky. Calvin Helzerman. Henry Engel, Ann George, and for any others that we have not named this day, but we hold in our hearts and have left us in this year. Holy God, we lift these names of those who have gone on before us into your hands. We know that while they are no longer physically present in this world, their spirits, their impact on this world is everlasting. We thank you for their faith journeys, for the lives they lived, for all of the different things they have done, the impacts that they have had in the lives of people far beyond their own knowledge. We thank you as they are blessings to us and to this world. We ask that you would send your comforting spirit to those who are still mourning those who have left us. We all mourn in our own time, in our own ways. There's no right way to do it. But we ask for your comforting peace and may this day be one that we can look on as a day of joy as we remember these wonderful individuals the memories we have with them, and everything that they have done in this world. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you. Good morning. My name is Laurel Ear. I will be your liturgist for today. If you'll join me responsively to the, in the call to worship. Praise the Lord who is our provider. The, the Lord, Lord is, is our, our hope. hope. Our trust is in God. God brought us out of bondage and has made us free. The Lord is our hope. Our trust is in God. Glorious are the deeds of our God and mighty are his acts. The Lord is our hope. Our trust is in God. Now join us in the opening hymn, Great is the Lord.
If you'll join me now in our opening prayer. Gracious God, we thank you for being ever-present with us. We know that we are never alone. Your mercies have been faithful and rich. Pour out your spirit upon us that we might do the work of your will. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our second hymn this morning is Come Ye Thankful People, Come. our prayer of illumination. O God, God, fill fill us us with your spirit and and humble humble our hearts so that that we can can hear your your word. word. Amen. Amen. Our first scripture reading is from Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 13. Imitating Christ's humility. If then there is any encouragement in Christ any consolation from love, any sharing in the spirit, any compassion and sympathy, make my joy complete, be of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility regard others as better than yourselves. Let each of you look not to your own interests, but to the interests of others. Let the same mind be in that you that was in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness and being found in human form. He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God also highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bend 
in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed me, not only in my presence, but much more now in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who is at work in you, enabling you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks Thanks be be to to God. God. The works of the Lord are wondrous indeed. Let us offer back to God a portion of what has been given to us for the glory of God's name. We will now collect the offering. If you would please join me in singing our doxology. Use these gifts to do your will in the world and prepare us for your coming kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
I invite you now to join me in a time and an attitude of prayer. Holy God, we come before you on this beautiful, glorious day that you have made. The sun is shining, the air is crisp, and we are thankful for the opportunity to still come together, although social distancing and in our cars, for worship today, as well as joining with us those across the internet. We are thankful for the opportunity to still come together and praise your name. God, we, we try to follow your example as best we can, and you taught us to bring everything to you in prayer. So we also lift you the things that are weighing heavily upon us today. We lift up all of those who are suffering, whether physically, emotionally, or mentally, those who are fighting illness or injury, God, whatever it may be, we ask for your healing touch. We ask that they might return to better health. But God, we also recognize that there is a time and a season for everything, and for some, it may be a time that they are going to soon be with you. And for those who are in or beginning that transition, we ask that it be as painless as possible. Lord, we also want to lift up our prayers of thanks today. We offer prayers of thanks for all of those who work so hard to help us try and, and stay healthy. All of our doctors and nurses and surgeons and lab technicians research scientists, and so many others who work so hard to help keep us healthy. We ask that you would continue to guide their hands and bless their efforts in all that they do. We give you thanks for their efforts and their sacrifice of their time and for all that they do on our behalf. We also lift up prayers of thanks and protection for all of those who work so hard to keep us safe in our world. We lift up all of those who serve in our military and armed forces, all of our police and firefighters, all of our first responders and EMTs, and so many others who work so hard to keep us safe. We ask that you would guide them in their words and their actions, keep them safe from harm, keep them strong, and Lord, for those who are far away from home, we pray that we may be able to bring them home soon and begin to see an end to conflict in our world. God, we also lift up prayers for our nation as we have been going through this time of election season. Not everyone is going to be happy with the results of any given election, whether national or local. Some will rejoice, some will cry, some will be angry. But God, whatever the outcome, we ask that you would help us all to see each other as beloved children of God, to see each other the way that you see us, and to try to repair the brokenness between us that we might find the common ground to see one another as your beloved children, as people of worth. There is no perfect system on this planet that humanity has created. Only you carry perfection. But we ask that you guide us and help us through, and every nation in this world, as every nation is struggling right now with different issues. We ask that you would envelop this globe with your Holy Spirit, that we may see peace and love prevail in every corner of the earth. All of these things, as well as those we keep quietly upon our own hearts and minds, we lift to you this day in the name of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, the confidence of children of God, let us pray the prayer that Jesus taught us, saying, Our Father, 
who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Let us confess our sins against God and our neighbor, trusting in the promise of forgiveness. If you would please join together with me in our prayer of confession. Almighty God, we have been wandering in the wilderness of sin. We have complained in the face of your mercy. We have been been selfish and conceited in the face face of of your your sacrifice. sacrifice. We We have have not done your will. Teach Teach us humility. Teach Teach us gratitude. Infuse your spirit into our beings so that that we we might be reconciled to you. In In Jesus' name we pray. pray. Amen. Amen. Please take a few moments now for silent prayer and confession. People of God, our sins are forgiven. The Lord is loving, and we are reconciled to God. Therefore, let us humble and surrender ourselves to the will of God for the glory of the Lord. Amen. Join together in the affirmation of faith. This is the good news which we have received, in which we stand, and by which we are saved. Christ Christ died died for for our sins, sins, was buried, was was raised on the third day, and appeared first to the women, then to Peter and the twelve, and then to many faithful witnesses. We believe Jesus is the Christ, the anointed one of God, the firstborn of all creation, the firstborn from the dead, in whom all things hold together in whom the fullness of God was pleased to dwell by the power of the Spirit. Christ is the head of the body, the church, and by the blood of the cross reconciles all things to God. Amen. Now is uh, our moment of stewardship sharing. Uh, These next three weeks uh, we are um, doing our stewardship campaign. Um, you hopefully received a letter and some information in the mail. If you did not, please uh, let me know, and I will make sure you get a copy. Um, If you choose to fill out the form, you can fold that up and put it in the offering uh, every week, or you can mail it back to the church, um, and we'll add that in with everything we have. But I wanted to start this week um, focusing on on John Wesley and his take on stewardship. John Wesley is the founder of the Methodist movement and what uh, a lot of our doctrines and things are based on as United Methodists. John Wesley's emphasis on stewardship began with his theological understanding that everything we are and everything we have comes from God. God is the very beginning of our existence. We did not bring it about ourselves. We are not the creator, we are the created. We did not create the materials that we use to make various items. God has provided us with life, but even more importantly, God provides the grace that leads us to the full life of salvation. Just as our lives come from God, the ways we use the gifts of our life and grace are our offerings back to God. Therefore, Wesley emphasized that both inward and outward holiness matters. How we respond in various circumstances, how we utilize our time, how we spend our funds, or how we treat others can be gifts to God when they reflect the holiness of Christ. One of John Wesley's famous statements of advice is, 
gain all you can, save all you can, and give all you can. Why? What did he really mean? Wesley talked and wrote at length about how to carry out this advice, and here's a brief summary of some of his thoughts. Wesley put restrictions on the way we gain all we can. Earning money was discouraged if it came at the expense of our own health, whether physical or spiritual. This caution rules out gaining all one can through workaholism or through any means that leads us to cheat, lie, or in any way violate the standards that Christians ought to hold. Nor should we earn money at the expense of another person's physical or spiritual health. The business we conduct should be fitting to a life dedicated to God. Similarly, the way we save all we can also matters. Wesley's idea runs much deeper than getting a good deal or buying things on sale. What we buy matters as much as what we pay for it. For Wesley, saving meant avoiding any expense that was simply for our own pleasure rather than for taking care of a legitimate need. He understood that indulging our desires could lead us away from God. He also understood that spending money on unnecessary items left us less to give to others in need. The point of saving is not hoarding, it is giving. To give all that we can is to reflect God's own generosity and thus to participate in God's work. We are to manage our money and property to be able to use it for God's purposes. If we think about the use of money as a spiritual discipline, then we can see that the point is not to give away what we think is extra. The point is to play our role in distributing God's resources equitably, not denying our own needs, but seeing the needs of others to be as legitimate as our own. Thank you. Our second scripture reading is from the Psalms, chapter 25, verse 1 through 9. Prayer for guidance and for deliverance of David. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. O my God, in you I trust. Do not let me be put to shame. Do not let my enemies exult over me. Do not let those who wait for you be put to shame. Let them be ashamed who are wantonly treacherous. Make me to know your ways. O Lord, teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all day long. Be mindful of your mercy, O Lord, and of your steadfast love, for they have been from of old. Do not remember the sins of my youth or my transgressions. According to your steadfast love, remember me for your goodness' sake. O Lord, good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he instructs sinners in the way. He leads the humble in what is right, and he teaches the humble his way. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks Thanks be be to to God. God. Our next hymn is number 340, Come Ye Sinners, Poor and Needy.
sacred scripture reading for today comes from the book of Exodus, chapter 17, verses 1 through 17. This section is titled, Water from the Rock. From the wilderness of sin, the whole congregation of Israelites journeyed by stages as the Lord commanded. They camped at Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. The people quarreled with Moses and said, give us water to drink. Moses said to them, why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord? But the people thirsted there for water, and the people complained against Moses and said, why did you bring us out of Egypt to kill us and our children and livestock with thirst? So Moses cried out to the Lord, what shall I do with this people? They are almost ready to stone me. The Lord said to Moses, go on ahead of the people and take some of the elders of Israel with you. Take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile and go. I will be standing in there in front of you on the rock at Horeb. Strike the rock and water will come out of it so that the people may drink. Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. He called the place Masaha and Meribah because the Israelites quarreled and tested the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us or not? Then Amalek came and fought with Israel at Rephidim. Moses said to Joshua, Choose some men for us and go out. Fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses told him and fought with Amalek while Moses, Aaron, and Hur went to the top of the hill. Whenever Moses held up his hand, Israel prevailed, and whenever he lowered his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands grew weary, so they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. Aaron and Hur held up his hands, one on one side and the other on the other side, so his hands were steady until the sun set. And Joshua defeated Amalek and his people with the sword. Then the Lord said to Moses, Write this as a reminder in a book, and recite it in the hearing of Joshua. I will utterly blot out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. And Moses built an altar and called it, The Lord is my banner. He set a hand upon the banner of the Lord. The Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. If you would join me again in an attitude of prayer. Holy God, in the dry wilderness of our lives, in the days of heat and thirst, you offer us living water. When we begin to doubt your presence and grumble that your love is unreliable, you offer us living water. When life's regrets and the bad choices we have made leave us feeling excluded and unworthy, you offer us living water. When circumstances or the inhumanity of others have left us alone and wounded, you offer us living water. We thank you and praise you, O God, that however we may thirst, whatever we may need to satisfy our souls, you offer it freely and abundantly in Christ. So we drink deep of the living water, and as we draw from your wells, we seek to pass the cup to others who, like us, are thirsty for your grace. And now may the words of my mouth, the meditations of our hearts, together in this place and time, be pleasing in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. This morning we are beginning our new sermon series titled An Attitude of Gratitude. This series offers us an opportunity to learn more about gratitude by calling out the things that keep us from being truly grateful. For each of the next three weeks, we will see how a misplaced focus on how things could be or used to be better, how we're not getting what we think we deserve, or simply how life struggles are keeping us down, prevents us from seeing all of the blessings that are right in front of us. And while the scripture selections will move back and forth from the Old Testament to the New Testament, the need for an attitude of gratitude is made very clear in each week's lection. 
As we go through this series, you may find yourself wanting more information about gratitude and how it affects us and our lives. I would like to recommend to you then a book by Mary Beth Sammons, Nia Lezowitz, and Susan Boyce titled, Living Life as a Thank You, The Transformative Power of Daily Gratitude. The Amazon.com page for the book says that living as each day, living as if each day is a thank you can help transform fear into courage, anger into forgiveness, isolation into belonging, and another's pain into healing. Saying thank you every day inspires feelings of love, compassion, and hope. I must say that I feel like our society and even the entire world has shifted into a reality where we are incredibly quick to complain when we feel that we have been mistreated or not respected, not well cared for, that kind of thing. But I wonder when was the last time that we took a few moments to thank someone or draw attention to the efforts of another who did a really good job. We are so quick to complain and yet so slow and lackadaisical to offer thanks and gratitude. This week's message is titled Nostalgia, and I know this one may cause some stirring or even uncomfortableness, but I ask that you bear with me and listen closely to what Scripture can tell us about gratitude. Let's go back to our reading from the book of Exodus and see what we we find there. Verse 3 reads, But the people were very thirsty for water there, and they complained to Moses, Why did you bring us out of Egypt to kill us, our children, our livestock with thirst? An entire nation, thousands of people are delivered from certain death when God makes a way for them through the Red Sea. God hears their prayers and makes it all happen. But then the story tells us they forget. If we were to look back in the 14th chapter of Exodus, we would read about the story of God doing the incredible, answering the Israelites' prayer, and pushing aside the water to give them a path to freedom from Pharaoh and the Egyptians. If we would continue reading, we would also find that the 15th chapter of Exodus begins with the Israelites dancing for three whole days. They dance with excitement and gratitude before God. Every child of Israel sings a song of praise before God. But then, just a few verses later, the miracle apparently has worn off. The Israelites are parched. They go looking for a water fountain, only to discover that the facilities here out in the desert are somewhat lacking. Then they begin to get hungry, and they reminisce about the buffet line back in Egypt. Their empty stomachs cause them to have nostalgia about their slavery. Yes, you heard that right. They started to get nostalgic about when they were held in slavery in Egypt. Slavery. If you ask me, this is easily one of the signs that you have completely lost your mind when you start to idealize your past, and that past involved being a slave to the Egyptian pharaoh. Back in the good old days, when we spent all day making bricks and building pyramids, when we had no rights and the pharaoh occasionally killed all of our male children, now those were the good old days, am I right? Holy cow. You see, when it comes to slavery... Every day is essentially the same. There is something comfortable about suffering, though, because it's predictable. The truth is that freedom is much more trying on a person. Out here in the wilderness, when they must depend on God, when they are in uncharted territory, there is no predictability. There is no sense of control. And as you've heard me say, I don't know how many times, as humans, we don't like to think we're not in control. 
I guess you could say the Israelites were suffering from post-miraculous stress disorder. Now, I'm not trying to make light of the situation for those who may be suffering from PTSD, but I hope that you can see the irony here of the Israelite situation. The Israelites, trapped in rosy revisions of their past, are blinded to the almost constant provision of God. They are number, or numbed to the now. They are trapped in the spiritual lands of Masa, meaning test, and Meribah, meaning find fault. They just wander in their grumblings, and it should be no surprise that they go in circles for 40 years. The truth, though, is that nostalgia never leads you forward. And that's because nostalgia casts an impossible standard candy-coated, much-improved rendering of what once was. Nostalgia is Egypt 2.0, if you will, but with the warts and the thorns all removed. The present can never match an idealized past, and it leaves us stuck in the quicksand of our edited memories, perpetually ungrateful for the place we now find ourselves in. When I was in high school, I took an English course on British literature. And I was excited for the class because I'd always enjoyed the stories of King Arthur and knights and a lot of that kind of stuff that you find in British literature. And we did read and discuss a lot of those things, along with many other wonderful stories and collections. One day, though, during a discussion amongst the class, Another student spoke about how they wished they could have lived during the medieval ages, living in a castle, riding horses, and romanticizing the entire period of time. And I was kind of shocked. I tried, but I, I just couldn't help myself, and I started to question their sanity. They wanted to live in medieval times. Really? Did they not understand and know that the average life expectancy for a male child born in the United Kingdom between 1276 and 1300 was just over 31 years of age? How many of us wouldn't be here right now? Most of us. Yes, it is true that once a male managed to make it to about 20 or 21, their life expectancy rose dramatically anywhere from 30 to 50 more years. But you still had to get to 20 in the first place. And have you ever been inside a castle before? They're not exactly climate controlled, or at least not the levels we may enjoy now. Often, castles could be musty and even dank on many levels. Sure, they were much better than the places the poor people were living in, but I personally would not trade a three-bedroom home from the last century for a castle built sometime some 700-plus years ago. And what about the Black Plague? Or the fact that the medical advances of that time were light years behind what we have now? How could you want to trade living now for living back then? And obviously, there are going to be things about one's lifestyle that I may prefer that this person did not. I, I'm a geek. I like technology. So obviously, going back in time to the medieval times would not excite me to not have the internet and other things. But still, the negatives just, they don't outweigh the positives to me. It's amazing how easily nostalgia can cloud our judgment and alter our memories of a situation. How often have you ever heard someone who leaves a romantic relationship that was toxic and dreadful only to later become nostalgic about it? Nostalgic over it and leaving out all the bad things and remembering just a few of the good times they may have had. Another truth about all of this is that this post-miraculous stress disorder still strikes God's people. And we may actually be 
the most prone to it, leading some faithful Christians to remember earlier days through a Norman Rockwell revisionist lens. Whether it's holding on to the church of our youth, which, let's be honest, ceased to exist many years ago, or clinging to a season of our own lives in which things were better than they are now. Nostalgia quietly steals our joy and makes us indifferent to the flowing streams of living water that God has provided here in the wilderness. It's rather telling that this generation of Exodus wanderers, they never make it to the promised land. Perhaps it was because their nostalgia would not let them get there. Liberation and hope lie in wait for those who can stop pretending that the past was somehow perfect and who can walk in faith towards God's future. The question then becomes, how would the church be different if we could move forward together towards that same liberation and hope? and farther away from false or edited memories of the past. The good news for us in our lives today, and in the life of the church today, is that God gives grace. Even back with the Israelites, God offered grace. They complained and complained and complained. They broke their covenant with God again and again and again. But God never abandoned them. God never gave up on them. Each time they complained, God still provided for them. And thankfully, when we do the same thing today, God does not give up on us either. You know, as we work to try and fix our churches, help them to grow, strengthen their commitment to God's mission in the world, it's easy to get caught up in nostalgia. It's easy to get caught up on how things used to be as we talk about our past, our legacy. It's easy to focus on how great the youth group used to be, or how big the choir was, or how much fuller the pews were on Sundays. And while we do need to look at that legacy and use some of that information in order to make positive changes and improvements for today— cannot let ourselves get stuck in the nostalgia. We cannot focus only on what was and lose sight for what can be. Nostalgia can be quicksand, but it's almost worse because with nostalgia we are often not even aware that we are sinking in the first place. So yes, we can we can celebrate and look back at our past. That's actually a very appropriate thing to do. We have a legacy. The key, though, is to not stay in the past. Life is currently changing all around us every single second of every single day. The world we look back at from even 10 years ago is nothing like the world we are in right now today. The only things that do not change are God's faithfulness, God's unwavering grace, and God's unprejudiced love. If we want to truly honor God in all that God has done and continues to do for us, then we must turn away from nostalgia and work to move forward in the mission to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. Amen. If you would join me in our closing hymn number 193, Jesus, the name high over all.
Beloved, let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. Love the Lord and serve others for the glory of God. May the God who is always near bless and keep you on your journey. Glory, honor, and praise to the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit now and always. Go in peace and serve the Lord. Amen. Have a blessed week.